like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for Bostonians that love clipper ships and statuary. Oh yeah, shout out to Boston. Yeah, Boston. <laughs> and like, put put your hands together. Like, we got boats, we got statues, why don't we combine them? Is, is that your Boston accent? That's, that's, that's my like non-Ohio accent. Like If you were like, do Australian, it would sound like that too. You sounded a little bit like a newsie. Mmm. Perfect. I love a newsie. Mmm. Yeah. Hello? Are you alive? I'm alive. You have what the happened? next line. <laughs> oh, I th- <laughs> forgot. Cool. I was like, continue. <laughs> what were you telling me about taking more drinks in my drink? That's, this is on you. I readily accept the consequences because this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Karen's like, you're better when you've had a little wine. And I'm like, okay. Um, so Karen, today we are discussing Nancy Drew and the secret of the wooden lady. Mm. And to get the proverbial ship a sailing, I have a thought for us to collectively ponder. And it, this is a, I feel like this is a good one today. It's a good launching point. Oh my lord. Okay. Um, okay. So in this book, Captain Nor'easterly lives on a boat. Wait. And yes, that's what pause. I'll be calling him the okay. whole time. Okay, I was like, that is not his name. <laughs> no, but isn't it Easterly? It is Easterly. Great. So I'm going to call him Nor'easterly the whole time because okay. obviously that's what they meant. Um, he lives on a boat. Yeah. Or wants to live on a boat. He does live on a boat. He wants to buy yeah. the boat on which he lives. Which, fair. <laughs> so my question is, could you live on a boat full time? Can I... Would you rather style ask follow-up questions? Absolutely, yes. Does my boat have a lot of hot water in a bathtub? Yes. Then yes. <laughs> that Oh, that's that's your deal breaker? Your only deal breaker? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I take I take at least one hot bath per day. <laughs> but there's there's nothing else in your life that you're like would be a deterrent to living on a ship full time. I don't see why it would be. Okay. Do I have okay. room for books? You do. Do I have births for the cats? Sure. Yes, we can create cat births. Can I play my violin on the prow? <laughs> you would. That would be a requirement. <laughs> I if am... you're a violinist, there are only two acceptable places to play a violin. What's the second one? Prows and roofs. Oh. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Uh, that's um, right. Yeah, no, I think I think I'm in. I would want to know that I would be safe in the case of an intense gale, but if I'm not gonna like spiral off into the sea, I'm well anchored. My books yeah. are there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds great. Got a hot bath. Okay. Yeah, sold. Right, what about you? Good to know. Yeah, so it's actually something that Mark and I, my my buddy Mark and I have discussed many times before. It's oh. like doing um, like 
old age at sea. Like that's a thing that people do. They they do will they? like um mm-hmm, they will like get rid of their apartment, house, whatever, and like full time live on cruise ships. Oh well, because when you think about it, I know I know we're talking about you know apples and oranges here, but okay. like when you think about it, it's not a terrible plan. Like you get all of your meals. You don't have to cook. You don't have to grocery shop. You don't have to do any of that. They have, like, doctors and, you know, medical centers on board. And Broadway shows. Broadway performers. They, there's entertainment. Yeah. You know, you get to go places. And. So, yeah. Intense amounts of COVID. <laughs> and intense amounts of COVID and other items. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Like, it's like a floating hotel. A floating oh, dorm. Yes. yes. A floating a floating hotel. However, would, th- we are not discussing a cruise ship, Kelly. We're discussing we're a not. live aboard clipper ship in the Boston Harbor. Right. <laughs> but I just sat on board a boat, okay? Well, if this is a yacht situation, then I don't even know why you asked. Like, I'll go now. <laughs> oh, you would do the you would do the cruise thing? No, if it was like a yacht, like a oh. I was picturing like a modest houseboat. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Okay. No, I mean, I could do a houseboat too, so. I would just need somebody to come cook for me, I think. Really? I don't I don't think I would do well with a hot plate situation. Oh, I don't know. You're a very creative chef. I think you would. Mm, I, I'm creative in the kitchen like seven to ten times a year, and the rest of the time it's like pizza rolls. For anyone who's listening, I want you to know that this is completely not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's a little bit true, though. Like, I received multiple text messages from the entire family that you had created these complicated German impossible-to-recreate cookies from our father's childhood using a wooden antique press. And so I don't want to hear anything about you not Not hard. When the the description (laughs) of a cookie is, it should be as hard as a rock, it's like, well, I can do that. (laughs) All right. I mean, like, I was like, is that really? That's the bar I have to jump over? Like, inedible? Send me that recipe. This sounds right at my level. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it sounds like we're in agreement. We're both going to live the nautical life. We are. Ahoy. (laughs) Well, friends, thank you for joining us on this cruise through the latest Nancy Drew book. Ahoy. Uh, before we get started, thank you so much. We have five new patrons, which we are just so excited about. Cannot believe that we wanted to say thank you to. So massive thanks to Abigail, Stacy, Karen. Oh, hey, fellow Karen. Kate and Hannah, like Hannah Gruen. We love you all. Thank you so much for supporting us and going on this yes, thank you. very weird journey with us. <laughs> <laughs> the weird journey of the podcast or of this book? A little bit of column A. A little bit of column B. <laughs> Fair enough. Kelly, I so typically we joke about this, but I actually haven't gotten to talk to you very much in the last week. What is go- what's going on in your life? Uh, I've been pre-hibernating. So I've like I haven't been intentionally not taking calls from people or anything. Maybe a little bit. Not from you. But um Okay. I've been I've been storing up 
uh, I'm trying to find the right words. I've been storing up like extrovertism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. If that makes any sense. Oh, it does. Um, yeah, like I'm, I've been trying to like preserve my battery because I am going in a couple of days. Well, I, I will be in California when this episode comes out mm. uh, on a work trip where I will be for a week. So the interesting thing here is that I have I started working remotely for a theater in California back during the pan well i mean or like to say pre and post pandemic feels weird now but like uh, like during more early days of the pandemic yep um i changed jobs i work full-time remote for this venue out there um and so i've i've never met anyone that i work with other than the person that i work for directly who i've known for forever um so i've never met anybody and partially that's because like i I work remotely. I don't actually need to be there, so it's fine. And partially because COVID and everything else. Well, they like want to meet me or something, so I <laughs> ha- I'm going out there <laughs> and uh, and I'm like candidly like I'm really really excited about it. Like I'm I'm looking forward to meeting all these people that I've worked with for like a year and a half now and have never actually met any of. Um, but then I'm also like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much engagement. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm like a little bit feral, I think, from working from home now for several years. That oh I'm yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I don't I don't even know how to like engage. I'm, I'm nervous about the amount of um, social interaction, like just the amount of energy that's going to take for a week. So you're going to be anyway. great. You're going to have a wonderful time. Fine. It will be an adjustment. Yeah, I'm it's sure gonna, it's but... going to be a, a, an exhausting week, if, if nothing else. But it'll be fun. So. You're, are you staying in like a cool hotel? Can you like go back and watch Bravo and drink mini bar wine at the yes. end of the day? Yes, to See? both of those things. Then you're going to be a fine girl. So anyway, I'm super excited. But like that, that's going to be going on when y'all listen. Just like send up a little, you know, a little good vibes <laughs> little... into the ether or something. Little uh, the, the introvert's <laughs> prayer. <laughs> I think... <laughs> oh my gosh what why okay we need to write the introverts prayer now i will it'll be an iambic pentameter i'm on it let them leave me alone let them not look my way let them like i'm I'm (gasps) going dr seuss i'm going dr seuss with it but we'll have we should both write our own versions of it and then present them in the next episode i i uh, like uh yes. what am i trying to say <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> absolutely challenge accepted i will work on that on my flight i very much look forward to this <laughs> done done you're gonna write like a sonnet that's crafted in iambic pentameter i am it's gonna be like a hoedown but whatever <laughs> i am absolutely gonna write a sonnet <laughs> well given uh, probably nobody knows this about you but Taryn, my lovely sister, has a master's degree in poetry, so this is a really unfair challenge. <laughs> yes, I picked um, I picked very lucrative degrees to focus my my time on. <laughs> Whatever, you're you're amazing at it though, and thank you. I'm gonna be on my on my like dictionary on my phone, like my rhyming dictionary, like what rhymes with blue? Stew. It's a clue. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Karen. Wow. I walked right off the prow of that one too, didn't I? Oh my God. This, okay. 
I anyway. So okay. So what? Go boats. Go ahead, sorry, <laughs> this go. episode is clearly brought to you by boats. <laughs> People boats. haven't picked that up yet. Um, I will also just say that I am being forced against my will to go to Yosemite while I'm there. Okay. So is do you say this because you hate nature? Yes, and I'm scared. <laughs> like I'm scared. Uh, that's, where, that's where the snakes are. I think you're gonna be less likely to see a snake than you are um, Bear. a bunch of annoying tourists. Oh, okay. That actually, thank you. That actually makes me feel so much better. I mean, I have an aversion to those as well, but much less so than snakes. Yeah, they're not gonna slither up and bite you on the ankle. <gasps> they're just gonna no. elbow you in the knocker as you walk by. <laughs> Get me right in the veranda. So you're going to be fine. But do be careful of, you know, the apparently there's like this whole rash of places everywhere. And it has happened in Yosemite where people are trying to take more more and more daring selfies, mm. more and more daring. You don't places. have to worry about that. You really don't have to worry about that. The, the only way I agreed to go and I would say agreed is kind of an exaggeration of a word um uh but i was told that we were going to be on like it's not even a trail it's more like a paved path okay um and i was like is it a long walk and he was like no i was like are there gonna be snakes and he goes i've never seen one and i said that's not what i asked (laughs) and Anyway, that concludes my updates. I will let you know what the snake situation in Yosemite is like if I make it back. You are going to make it on back. The, on the next episode. <laughs> and I I will pay you $100 if you see a snake on this trip. I Can we make it more? My therapy bill is going to be higher than $100. <laughs> I'm just trying to plan for all contingencies. I will pay you $107 if you see a snake on this trip. So so a $100 session plus tax. All exactly. Right. Okay, all Precisely. right. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, what's going on with you? Enough about me. So I'm sitting here like a baby angel, tippity-tapping away on my keyboard at work uh-huh. on Tuesday of this week. No, last week. This was last week. And I turn to my left i glance out the window and what do i see so much snow pouring from the sky it snowed there already yeah girl it snowed so much and it came i kept coming down for like three hours and did it stick no but was i who cares horrified? was it amazing yes it was beautiful no, you were horrified no it was beautiful but also it's it was like october it's october yeah something teen mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah i mean it's not an acceptable date for that also, it just anytime there's snow before November first, it it throws me back into an emotional headspace of having to wear a sweater underneath my Snow White costume for Halloween. The worst. The worst. Thank you, John Ralphio. Yes, I hated that. Also, and Mom would be like, "Just put a little zip-up jacket over your cowgirl outfit for Halloween," and I'm like, "I would rather freeze." Thank you. I was like, "I will suffer." Mm-hmm. That being said. I have, since that moment, in a state of terror, gone to REI and the North Face store, and I Uh, bought myself the most 
I look like the That's Pillsbury. That's the most Michigan thing I've ever heard anybody say in my life. And I got a, a coat that like I'm unrecognizable. It comes it down like to like to ankles? <laughs> my ankles basically. And Perfect. I'm like, you know what? I don't care if I look cool or not. I'm going to be warm as hell. And it's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the last thing that I want to tell you is that I have a devious plan. Mm, for what? Well, it's Do only I get gonna... to be involved? Are we going to go to jail? What's happening? Uh, yes to question one. Definitely not to question two. Oh, well. Fantastic. I like both. Oh. <laughs> the queen so... of the bait and switch starts and strikes again. <laughs> I'm a Gemini, baby. You never know what I got in store for you. Oh, you are a Gemini, aren't you? Yeah. I've never... Karen, I have never thought about your astrological sign before. Really? Because I think about yours all the time. (laughs) Such a Gemini thing to say. Why do you think about my astrological sign all the time? Because I'm such a Leo? Absolutely. (laughs) I actually don't... I know very little about astrology. I just enjoy dabbling from time to time when it suits me. But... Okay, listen. In listening, oh, there's a giant unfinished basement in this beautiful home in which mm-hmm. I live, mm-hmm. and in the seems like a perfect place for activities, uh, spooky ones specifically. Mm, true. And in the like far back corner of this basement, there is a rickety pole, and mounted to this pole is an old rotary phone that's plugged into nothing. Oh no! Don't like that. So. Don't you think it would be super funny if I, like, put something near it so that the next time yes, some yes. unknowing person goes into the basement, I can make it ring? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I absolutely do. I just saw a TikTok where somebody did something horrifying to their parents. They put, they put a – but, but I, I say this because this is what you could do. They put a Bluetooth speaker – underneath their parents bed that was attached to their phone out in the car and they scared them to death in the middle of the night but you could do the same thing i think it would just be like it'll just like Mm -hmm. quietly ring and then someone will go to answer it and they'll realize it's plugged into nothing i say this though to you like i think this is the funniest thing in the world but if someone did this to me i would probably actually end up in the hospital (laughs) i would take a ghost over a snake any day Really? Absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked. You're insane. No, I'm not. It could be a nice little girl ghost. I can grab a snake and throw it. You can't grab a ghost. You're going to grab a rattlesnake by the throat and throw it. Hell yeah. (laughs) I hope neither of us are ever in this situation. (laughs) All right. So, So next on our agenda is your edition, the recommendation station. Do you? It's my favorite part. That's my favorite part, too. Do you have any recommendations? I do. And I'm going to keep it quick because we've talked too much already. But my recommendation is to check out um, the first in the series is Magpie Murders. And there's a second one. Um, But I read Magpie Murders earlier in the year and I just read the sequel. And if you like a Nancy Drew book, which if you don't, I don't know why you're here. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is like the perfect modern day cozy mystery. Ooh. Where I got to be honest, I can figure out what's going to happen at this point a good 80% of the time with most cozy mysteries. 
yep. these nope couldn't figure them out really mm-hmm. okay that bodes very well because you are a very good mystery untangler always but i will tell you too that part two of that is if I were smarter, I could have. Like, all of the clues were there. Cozy mysteries are only good. Mysteries are only good if you could figure it out while you read it, right? So, like, all of it was there. I just missed it all. So, highly recommend Magpie Murders. You're so smart. I like you. Oh, I like you, too. What's your recommendation? I bet you have one. I have one. It's a TV show. Oh, right. That I had forgotten about until this book came around. It is called Our Flag Means Death. Have you watched it? Mm, No. Here's the premise. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet, a.k.a. Murray, has a midlife crisis and decides to blow up his life to become a pirate. And Mm. this is like an old-timey, like, on the high seas, like, like, lace ruffle wearing like and he is just this like bumbling buffoon and none of his hired pirates take him seriously and then he encounters blackbeard the most feared pirate of all time as played by taika waititi it is the funniest most charming delightful thing i've ever seen we probably should talk about nancy drew yeah tell me about tell me about this wooden lady book number 27 number 27 it was written in what year do you think? Mm-hmm. Were you paying attention when I told you what year the book was written in the last episode? I I feel like you said it was 48. It was late 40s, I want to say. And I think you said that there was one every year. So I'm going to go 49. You're so close. It's 1950. <gasps> oh my gosh. I'm the best. Proud of you. Ghostwriter. New ghostwriter. Mm, a new one. Margaret Scherf is her name. Well, I'm a big fan. Oh my God. Me too. Big this, fan. Oh, I have so much to say about this book. I will hold my <laughs> tongue. But Margaret only ghost wrote this book, and I regret that that's the case because this one ruled. And I Googled her, and nine times out of ten when I Google these ghostwriters, there is nothing. There is nary a breadcrumb on the trail to give me more information. Not so with Margaret Scherf, Kelly. Mm. She wrote okay. a ton of other stuff under her own name. Okay, such as? So I'll tell you, like, the real and important things here in a second, but she had these humorous murder mysteries that she wrote in, like, the 60s, and the titles are so funny. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. So the first one... They were, like, comedy mysteries? Comedy murder mysteries. Oh, my God, I love it. Which seems like we should read them on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. the first Mm -hmm. one I came across was called The Corpse Grows a Beard. (laughs) Which, Perfect. awesome. And then the second Perfect. one I came across was called Gilbert's Last Toothache. Uh, so I Perfect. want them in my home. Z- zero criticism of these titles. No notes. Um, so here's the real, the real talk, though. So she wrote some girl sleuth books under her own name. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of allusion, apparently, to Nancy Drew. They don't have you know, the same names. I think the sleuths are younger. They're more of like a middle grade age. But okay. uh, she had three books and I think we can still get them. So we should because we mm, love this mm-hmm. writer. They are called The Mystery of the Shaky Staircase, The Mystery of the yep. Empty Trunk, and The Mystery of the Velvet Books. Yeah, we definitely need to track down like, you know, the Velvet Books and do it for a super sleuth or something. We do. Okay, Karen. So 
Are we ready for one sentence plotting? I have never been more ready for anything because I, I know what's coming <laughs> and I can't I feel wait. like this. It's epic. So I will just I will just say if you submitted a one sentence plot, well done. Like there were no losers in this batch. OK, they were all good. Um, but we did select winners. So uh, I will begin with a cover description. The entire Clue crew is packed into like like a half a rowboat. Like it 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 feels like part of it was lopped in half or I, something. Yes. They're all wearing very nice dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I would wear with a tight, for example. I would wear that um, to like a wedding, and they're just like correct. casually in a. Canoe. I mean, George has a Peter Pan collar on, okay? Like, I don't know why you're in a rowboat in a storm and that, but whatever. Um, they've also got a statue parked in the back of the boat, which is supposed to be, like, the masthead, the figurehead, Melissa from Melissa. the clipper ship. Yep. Yep. Um, but it looks like it's made out of stone, which is not what it, it would be made out of wood. So that's an illustration issue. Also, I'll just say the cover didn't happen. Oh. Like this moment You're on right. the cover never actually happened that in the is, book. That's correct. That's correct. But it's a great cover. Nancy is like in green, which, you know, is across the color wheel from Titian. And <laughs> <laughs> said the quilter. Like, <laughs> and she's like pointing at a thing and it's all very dramatic, right? Um, so. Our winner was a late entry, okay? And so it's it's never too late until we've recorded, at which point it's too late. But <laughs> you don't know when that is, so don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> our winner is Lily R. Buescher. And I will spell at L-I-L-Y-R-B-U-E-S-C-H-E-R. Lily. Boop, 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 boop. They say... Nancy's combination river rafting slash sculpting class was going about as well as one could, would expect. The girls were definitely about to put their skin diving lessons to good use. Okay, feedback on this. Yes. We love a reference to yes. a cl- an activity class. Also, Correct. epic callback to approximately Thank 20 you. books ago with the skin diving lessons. Thank you. So many books. Because I think it was Lilac Inn where we were skin diving. Yes, it was. It was. That's when the that's when the the submarines were in play. <laughs> Correct. When that river submarine came about, mm-hmm. it's still my favorite thing that's ever happened in a Nancy Drew book. And there have been so many, but the river submarine really takes the cake. Flawless. So, do you? I I feel like there's an elephant in the there, room. There 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 is an elephant in the room. So so listen, I I've got to say, so. We consider Jake to be our friend, even though we've never met him, okay? Sorry if that's weird for you, Jake. It is what it is. Um, He gave up, like, to say that he's won one-sentence plots forever would be discouraging to everyone else. So I'm not going to say that. But I will say that Jake really leaned into the flexible punctuation and gave us one of the best things I've ever read my entire life. <laughs> for there's there's no hyperbole in anything that you've said yeah jake's handle if you want to follow him or check him out is 
Is it the Sassa bra? I don't know, yeah. Jake. We need I don't to know ask how to you. It. We need a uh, the Sassabra. A the Sassabra. I don't know. I don't know. It's T H E S A S S A B R A. Are you ready? <laughs> I am so stoked for this. <laughs> Miss Susie had a rowboat. The rowboat had a bell. Nancy took that rowboat and sent it straight to hell and had been missing. She was really good. So Bess and George decided to craft her out of wood. It even matter if Ned ever if Ned ever showed up. He can take his insurance and cram it up his butt. I've forgotten one thing. A final thing to do is reveal this book's villain. His name is Carson Drew. Amazing. It's not. Carson isn't the enemy. So, like, but, well, like, slow clap. You have the voice of an angel. I love you. I feel like, oh, I love you, too. Oh, Kelly. Karen. Yes. Without further ado, and we've already been a-doing for about 45 minutes. So, without further ado, super fast plot. You ready? I'm ready. I wrote this today on my lunch break while eating an unthawed Smucker's Uncrustable. Ew, you ate a frozen Uncrustable? Oh, whoops, I meant thawed. Did I say unthawed? (laughs) Yes. It's like, geez, Karen, take a five-minute break and nuke your Uncrustable. My God, like, what kind of monsters do you work for? I will say they are good frozen as well, but no one wants to hear about that. Okay, fast plot. Super fast plot overview. Our mystery begins over a delicious dinner of fried chicken. Carson informs Nancy that he's trying to find the missing deed for a big old clipper ship in Boston that may also be haunted. Nancy's like, Dad, let's ride. Then Bess calls because a home invasion is happening at her crib. So Nancy busts over there and gets knocked out while Bess's house is robbed. Long story short, the robber steals a bunch of jewelry out of the Marvin house and leaves behind a signet ring. Using the ring and the information that he has a weirdly short middle finger, he's immediately identified as local gas station attendant Flip Fay, who is a national thief known as the Crow. The cops are like, hmm, sorry this happened. We'll try to catch him. Thanks for figuring out the Crow's identity, Nancy. Anyway, moving on. Nancy and Carson go to Boston to see what's up with this ship, the Bonnie Scott. Captain Easterly is trying to buy the boat. He's been renting it and living aboard, but no one knows who the rightful owner is. So while Carson hunts for the deed, Nancy tries to figure out why Captain Easterly thinks he's seeing ghosts prowling around. Oh, also, Bess and George show up to help. Yay, Boston! And then all three of their boyfriends decide to pop in for a vacay before they start back to their camp counselor jobs. We learn the following three things. Number one. The Bonnie Scott used to be called the Dreaming Melissa and was hijacked by pirates a long time ago. So there's probably some treasure up in here and that's why people are prowling around. Number two, Red Quint, AKA Old Grizzleface, as nicknamed by George, is caught as one of the prowlers and seems to have more information on the whereabouts of both the missing figurehead and the treasure. Number three, the crow, AKA Flip Fay is also in Boston because now apparently Boston is the place to be if you're looking for a break from River Heights. He's trying to get in on this missing pirate's booty scheme as well. The boat catches on fire. The captain goes missing. 
Ned is a huge misogynist, and Nancy reads about a million books about antique figureheads. Shockingly, Nancy does not sink a single boat in this book, but she does almost get everyone killed multiple times. In the end, Carson figures out how to get Captain Easterly the deed to the boat. We all forgive old Grizzleface for being kind of sketchy, and he's hired to work on the ship. The crow and his partner are apprehended and locked up, and Nancy is given a rendering of Melissa, the figurehead, and an antique snuff box. They all have a party on the boat to celebrate, and the Drews smash a bunch of champagne everywhere. The end. Perfect. Accurate, though? Accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> Fairly, vaguely, pseudo Absolutely <laughs> as accurate as one could make it without just rereading the book. Oh, bless your heart. It was super, and it was fast. Uh, can Ten you... stars. Oh, my gosh. Out of how many... <laughs> Oh, great. Okay, just clarifying. Don't be so suspicious. I am very, I am a very suspicious woman. Um, Kelly Marie. Yes. Tell me your me. general thoughts and musings on this book. Loved it. Same. Yeah. One million stars out of one million stars. Loved it. <laughs> um, Nancy, George, Best, they were fun and they were capable. Like, I actually, I know we joke a lot about the boat wrecking, which is funny but like they didn't wreck any boats in this book they no, were they totally not. on their game they they saved boats in this book there was lots of good sleuthing they helped the detectives in num- in a number of occasions um and the two plots actually connected which mm. was a bummer for me because all along i was like well my it would have been awesome if section practically writes itself. And then, no, they fixed it at the very end. So, yeah, um, loved it. How about you? Thoughts? Musings? Also loved it. We are... Love it when we agree. On the same page. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it can be chalked up to the ghostwriter. Yeah. What did I say her name was? M- Ms. Scherf? Margaret Scherf? Yes, Margaret mm-hmm. Scherf. Um, she wrote Nancy in a way... That I feel like no one else has. Say more words. She felt so vibrant to me in a way that was very much missing to me. Like in the last book, she felt like a robot. She was like, beep, beep, boop, boop. I'm going to calculate <laughs> clues oh, going to the car. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I, I'm with you. She just, uh, the, we started in medias res in this book. Mm, We're my sitting down. <laughs> They're sitting down to a chicken dinner. And Nancy's like bopping over to her dad and she like boops him on the head and she's like, hey, dad, time for dinner. What are you doing? And he's like, I have a mystery. And then here we go. Like she was just. And, and then we're in it. Very real and three dimensional to me. And I, I agree. Crave more of this Nancy. If this is the Nancy that's in store for us in the rest of the books, then I am a happy woman. I, I, you're, it's always interesting. Like, we do this podcast because we genuinely enjoy each other's take on this on this stuff and so like you have this way of explaining to me why i feel a way about a book like i i i knew that i really liked this book but i couldn't put my finger on it and it's because of what you just described can i tell you something that i mean honestly yes that's one of the greatest compliments i've ever been given and i mean that I am so sorry you haven't been given better compliments in your life. No, I'm very touched by that because I don't feel like I'm a good explainer. And the fact that... uh. No, you're a very good explainer. You're a very good explainer. And also you're very... 
like intuitive isn't the right word, but sensitive. Um, <laughs> I get my feelings hurt easily. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, <laughs> says the Leo to the. Uh, what are you? Oh my god, I knew it. You don't even know. <laughs> it's been like ten minutes. I'm not gonna tell you. You can Google uh, it. You're you're the twins, Gemini. Yeah. Um, so you say. But it, but no, like I think you have a very analytical mind when it comes to stuff like this. Well, and I appreciate your take on it. Can I give you my other hot take, which is uh, that was Please. my good hot take, but I have a bad hot take on this book too. Ooh, yeah, which didn't yes. ruin it for me. Oh, I love a bad hot take though. That's my Leo coming out. Holy sexist divisions of labor in this book. Holy sexism in general. Now, I will say, yes. Can can I can I can I like jump jump to the good part? please so i was highly bothered by this um and i actually wrote down the page that happened on it was pretty early in the book and i got really aggravated but like i i didn't immediately clock anything because like bess was doing all the cooking but i'm like but bess likes to cook so like i didn't take that as like um anti-feminist thing or like you know women belong in the kitchen or yeah anything. i was just like well, bess likes to cook that's like, a whatever. known i like to cook a known you know? enjoyment of hers yes but it was when we got to um mm, where was it i wrote it down i Page i highlighted something. it and then i yeeted my kindle out the window because i got so angry <laughs> so it's, I, it's gone <laughs> page 88 it was on page 88 of my book and the 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 boys as i'm gonna call them because they're a little children little immature emotionally unintelligent children captain easterly is saying like i i hope you can all come sail with me once i own the ship and bert and dave and ned basically say we'd love to and the captain says do you want me to invite the girls too and ned ned nickerson and you quote I was just warming up to him again. Ned says, why not? Every clipper needs cooks. Now, we could stop there and just go ahead and, like, get Ned right on the spit for his roasting. Okay? (laughs) Which is what he deserves. Uh, No, no, uh, no disagreement. But the part I did like is that the next line is. This is my favorite part, too. The girls grimaced. Yep. 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 And that is how we know, Kelly, that this book was ghostwritten by a woman because we have had the same inappropriate comments made. Many times. In Nancy Drew books previous, but the girls didn't grimace. Mm -hmm. It was just accepted and moved on. Margaret Scherf was like, listen. Mm -hmm. And then then I will point out that subtle, but I choose to believe related – the boys were sent packing pretty quickly after that moment. So they were because they were entirely unnecessary. Like they didn't prevent any bad things from happening. No, usually first of all. Ned does like a chemistry test or something to like solve a problem. Nothing. Zero value Dude, was provided. Zero things. Yeah. No, in fact, Ned got punched in the nose, which I was like, hip hip hooray. Um, Karma, brah. One of my favorite parts in this book, and I think we're going to get to this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now because we're talking about it, was the these three dudes are on board the ship with our three lovely young women. And Dave or Bert, one of the two of them, they're interchangeable at this point, So, is basically like teasing the women that they don't know as much about sailing or whatever. And George basically goes like, 
hold my beer and then proceeds to list off like all 37 names of the various sales on this clipper ship. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I mean, I mean, I guess she does know what she's talking about. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what I said. I think I said earlier, like they were highly capable. And that's why I liked this book was that for the first, not the first time, because I think they, I think Nancy has always been capable, but it's always been a little bit like, She's been capable, but a little bit bumbling at the same time, right? And lucky. And and lucky, right. And she's had a lot of help. She's gotten saved a lot, you know? In this this book, they save themselves. They don't need to be rescued. Um, they, They make their own luck. They do their investigation. They were highly capable women, and I loved it. I, I agree. Okay, favorite parts of this book. Yes. You go first. My Say favorite one. part is I found an editorial error. <gasps> what? Very, like, and this is all toward the beginning of the book, but I got very excited about this and then it didn't happen because it was, it was an error. Um, so Carson says to Nancy pretty early in the book that they are going to take, after she gets back from the dance with Ned, mm-hmm. that they are going to take the midnight train <gasps> to boston going anywhere and i got super psyched because i'm like ooh, like an overnight train like a sleeper berth like all of this like i i love the romance of you know being on a train yeah because you love agatha christie i i do but it just sounds nice you know like and who knows what happens on an overnight train like who you get to meet in like the dining car and all of that right well then they end up meeting up to get on a plane and it's and it's never like uh we decided not to take the train we're going to take a plane instead like it was clearly a somebody forgot to go back and edit it that they were going to take a train Kelly good catch I didn't Thank notice you. that at all How about you you go now Uh my favorite thing in the entire book was <laughs> the figurehead Mm yes So the figurehead y'all is the carved statue on the front of the boat typically it was a female um and there is a lot of lore but but i guess it didn't have to be which was surprising to me like i thought it was always a woman but they refer to male figureheads in the book there are some there are some it does happen and there's just like a lot of interesting lore around them and that um if the figurehead was damaged or it was removed, the sailors were very superstitious and didn't feel comfortable being on the boat any longer because it was seen as a protection mm-hmm. mechanism, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. So this boat that is in question in the book, which is called the Bonnie Scott, as we know it, but we learn later that it's called the Dreaming Melissa. That was its original iteration. It had mm-hmm. a figurehead that disappeared that was named <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> oh, and Melissa. I I just like relished that it was such a classic like not not even a classic like I would have gone like Agnes or like Edith. I don't know. Yes. It's like a very it, it, would, it would be like it would be like naming your figurehead nowadays like Bethany. <laughs> I was going to say Katie, but Kyler. yes. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so our figurehead is named 
Melissa, which I adored. And we somehow throughout the course of this novel just like lose track of the fact that this is a figurehead and they just start referring to it as Melissa. And I wrote down like four direct quotes from this book because I have never laughed at a Nancy Drew book this hard in my life. So are you ready? Quote number one, Mrs. Parker was relieved to get rid of Melissa. The hostess had no objective to their taking Melissa upstairs. Nancy and Bess carefully put Melissa and the luggage in the rowboat. <laughs> then the crew hauled Melissa aboard. Um, and then one of the things that, like, because we have clearly come to cherish Melissa, like, we're speaking to her as an actual human woman so frequently, then we have George Fane, who is unsurprisingly still the worst she has unemotional she has not gone on the anthropomorphization journey with (laughs) melissa uh because i'm dying dying. they discover that there's most likely a priceless ruby nestled inside of melissa's wood and (laughs) gross they're but like they're like oh melissa like we'll take care of melissa and then george goes let's cut her right open and look for the ruby (laughs) and i'm like Whoa, girl. So basically, my favorite thing in the book was Melissa. (laughs) Amazing. That's the right answer. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. What about, okay, new favorite thing? Um, The whole ship setting. Mm -hmm. So I liked being on a boat. Um, I like that we still got like hidden passageways. I thought it was interesting that they were still hidden passageways so that the like the boss could spy on the workers. Mhm. Mhm. Which I'm like micromanagement not much, you know. I gu- I guess when you've got the threat of mutiny where you could get, you know, thrown overboard Maybe you want to micromanage a little bit more. Um, that's never been as much of an issue, I don't think, in my office setting. But yeah, we had we had secret passageways. I love you know I love anytime there's like a secret little compartment in something, and we get that all over the place here. Um, I do always find it fascinating that Nancy's able to come in and find these secret compartments in like thirty five seconds, yeah. where nobody's found them in forty years before. But Nancy's like, I got this. Um, in the words, so yeah, in the I, words of I you, Kelly. It. Yeah, she may be beautiful, but she's not just a hat rack. Not just a hat rack. It's Nancy Drew, y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like in the land of boats upon the water. I like that there was a fire boat, which makes oh, complete yeah. sense. That there would be a fire department vessel for <laughs> fires on board ships it's just literally never occurred to me and they so got there enjoyed the whole really fast too oh they got there super fast they were yeah be efficient mm-hmm. so yeah i enjoyed the the boat situation um can i say a boat thing to you related to what you I said would love if you did yeah so you mentioned how nancy is very good at finding like hidden nooks and crannies Yes. And she finds a cranny in the back of this desk. <laughs> no. That like everyone is like, there's not a clue to be found in here. And Nancy is like, I disagree. And lo and behold, 
she's correct. And it's a, it's a puzzle. It's an intricate puzzle. It has to be like, you know, solved. <laughs> wow. That was the smartest thing I've ever said. Um, <laughs> at any rate, George becomes impatient and want, and, and George says to Nancy, just get an ax and smash it open. Yeah. And that's George's solution to everything. Well, Kelly, Re- Melissa, Kelly, yeah, you, you're missing my point. In the last two oh. novels we've read, hmm. Nancy Drew tried to smash something open with a hatchet. Homes that she didn't own. True. She was true. like, she was like, I can't get through this wall. Somebody give me a hatchet. I'm just gonna hack down this wall. And but for some That's reason, she was willing to hatch it through walls and closets and wardrobes and mm-hmm. homes she didn't own in the last few books. But when George suggests that she smashes this desk, Nancy gets very mad and scolds her mm-hmm. and scorns her and says that's a criminal offense george have a, have a little respect for personal property george yeah it was amazing i yeah i was like who who are you do you want well, to, it... to hatch it or not to hatch it we don't know <laughs> that is the question um speaking of hatcheting it's funny because I, i'm looking here at my notes and you you brought it up so now i'm gonna read it but I do read these books and take notes, people. I mean, I love like that. It, but English but major. I <laughs> maybe it was just me, but when these stowaways were jumping on board and trying to find this this ruby, they were doing their own level of hatcheting all across the decks, right? So like Bet. Nancy would come along like 30 minutes later and be like, well, I guess they were here because there would be holes everywhere that they had hatcheted into this boat. And I'm like, first of all, how big is this boat? Second of all, I feel like the last thing you would want to do on a yatchet is, is be hammering holes into punk, it. Puncture the... Yes. Like, don't puncture the vessel. It's <sighs> exactly the right word, Karen. I know. I know. Also, I do know that it's pronounced yacht. But... Do you? Our father told us that... Do you remember him telling us this? We were talking about... Like... I think... I think How I Met Your Mother had happened and they were talking about, um, like, gaps in your knowledge and how... Um, somebody had thought that chameleon was pronounced chameleon for years. <laughs> and so we were talking about that and mom, I'm just gonna just tell everybody all of our family secrets, but mom thought that Phoebe was pronounced Foeb. Oh yeah, and forever. I, when I was in like first grade, uh-huh. I made a doll hospital and I yeah. oh, mm-hmm. was telling you and mom that one of my dolls was dying of panamonia. And I remember, I remember that. everyone being like, I, that's not a thing. And I, that's how I thought mm-hmm. you said pneumonia. I mean, that's a fair one, though. That's like seven consonants in a row. A but dad thought that yacht, and this was from his Hardy Boys reading, because apparently the Hardy Boys are on yachts a lot. Uh, he thought it was pronounced yachet. So fair. I would have thought it was how, more like a pronounce it now. yacht. <laughs> Just like a, an utterance. Yes, like a, a like a, a guttural sneeze. A orc's last gasp. I don't know. <laughs> Did you say an orc's last gasp? I don't know where that came from. That is wow, wow. Ready for Nano Rimo, Kelly? Okay, so we should move on. <laughs> 
Um, is it my turn? It's your turn. Okay. My last favorite thing that I will say um, is that I really loved this one character. His Which one? His actual name, we learn, is Red Quint. Mm. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> George, like the generous, loving person she is, immediately nicknames him Old Grizzleface. <laughs> Old Grizzle Face. And this has been my actual favorite nickname of any criminal in any book ever. Oh, I know. I know. And like, it just, man, did that stick. Like, she said it once, mm-hmm. and they're all like, <laughs> yeah, OGF, Old Grizzle Face. <laughs> but, but not for nothing. Like, she said it, and I knew exactly what he looked like. I mean, that's like, fair. Do you, I have a very clear image in my head of what Old Grizzle Face looks like. Okay, but, Kelly. Did you expect yes. the plot twist about old Grizzleface's activities in River, not River Heights, in Boston? I, <laughs> I don't think so. Why? This was the best book I've ever read in my entire life. So <laughs> they're like, they're closing in on OGF, which I will call him because that's faster to mm-hmm. say. And Nancy's like, boop, boop, boop. I remember he had like a button on his vest when I was apprehending him. And it oh my gosh, said yes. something about an art exhibition. He just yes. is wearing an art exhibition button on his mm-hmm. f- fisherman's vest. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, maybe there's like a farmer's market or something and we can go find him. And for some reason, they're like, no, I bet he, there are a lot of artists here. I bet he's an artist model. And I bet if we yep. go to find where people do like live nude art painting, he was he not will nude, be there. but that is also how I pictured it. You don't like, know that. that. OGF was a nude model. You don't know that he wasn't. They didn't say anything I, to the contrary. I imagined him with like like nude one leg up on top of like a whiskey barrel. With a hip waders. Like a Correct. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. He OGF is like the most multifaceted character I think we've ever encountered mm-hmm. encountered yep. in this series. Um, he is an art model, a former pirate, and a, an expert sailor, a handyman, and a chef. Uh, I All love him. Things. And then here's where it really like cemented itself for me mm-hmm. is that I was like, man, I'm uh, this guy is nuanced. I don't know how I feel about him. <laughs> And then Bess Marvin, our girl, says out loud to everyone else, well, that makes sense. With that beard, I think he'd make a wonderful model. I'd like to paint him myself. (laughs) Oh, Bess has got the hots for OGF. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, Bess and OGF. Yep. He also said a quote that I wrote down (laughs) when he was, like, giving clues. And he goes... That guy was poor as a sand crab when I knew him. <laughs> I mean, historically, sand crabs are generally not wealthy, so I think that's a good assessment. Not a, not a sand dollar to their name. <laughs> wow, good job. That was, you know what? That was good. Thank you. You should be commended for that. Anyway, old Grizzleface, aka old Grizzleface. Red Quint, was a highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so can I can can I tell you my least favorite parts of this book? Oh God, I would love that. I I'm gonna really just focus on 
two things because we've already covered sexist Ned. Oh, yeah. So we're not going to get into that again. Okay. Number one would be spending approximately one million hours of time looking at books about figureheads. I don't know how to tell you this, but that did not bother me. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I was a little bit charmed by the fact that Nancy was able to find someone in this random town who had this very hyper-specific realm of expertise, had curated an incredible bibliotheque in the loft of a barn that had all the information she was looking for. And they were also just very generous with their time. And they were like, I'm just down here carving things out of wood. You can go read my books if you want. And I was like, I think this is charming. I, you know what? You've made me like it more. <laughs> I, I did, I did. In, in my mind's eye, I was picturing a very Gilmore Girls esque environment. Oh, say more. I mean, I don't think there were any figurehead carvers in Gilmore Girls, but like I can see that fitting into their environment where you're just like in next to Miss Patty's. Know, the, and next to Miss, thank you. I was gonna say next to next to Miss Patty's is the figurehead carvery. Yeah, which is the word for, yeah. And in the carvery is Old Man Squints, and he has the world's best library about figureheads in the Northeast. And I, I did genuinely like that that guy let her just stay and left her a note to lock up when she was done. I did too. I thought that was adorable. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Did I, really I just have... really get... You changed my mind. That's awesome. Yeah, you do it all the time. Okay, <laughs> I, I will say I did not enjoy the murder of a lizard. Oh, hated this. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Not cool. So, so at one point, just to recap, the bad guys send Nancy a warning to the ship, which is basically like a lizard in a box. And... That apparently is like an old seafarer's warning that death is coming or something. Yeah. If you get a lizard on board. You're going to go to Davy Jones's locker. Yeah. And so Captain Nor'easter just like picks up the lizard in the box and throws it overboard. (gasps) And I'm like, y'all, that lizard didn't do anything to you. Now, if it had been a rattlesnake, I would have said, pitch it overboard. Hashtag Yosemite. But (laughs) I don't think that lizard did anything to anybody i think that was maybe a little bit of an overreaction no and i think the girls had a strong reaction to it as well the women they did on board were like bro they were like okay dial it back to a two here to 12 i need you to two um okay so shall we move on yes please okay so it's my turn it would have been awesome if (gasps) did you have one there's not much to i i do I do take it or leave it. Okay. I'll take like, it. I feel obligated to provide an improvement. Okay? Oh my God. I'm also just looking at your notes on this and I see that you also abbreviated it to OGF. Which I did. <laughs> yes. I wanted old Grizzleface to have a deeper connection to the ship than just having like known the story of the ship. Okay. Okay. Um, so wouldn't it have been awesome if OGF grew up in an orphanage never knowing his parents and then at like eight years old 
the captain of the Dream of Melissa comes to adopt, like, three boys to work on board. Okay. You know, like, this happens all the time in books where it's like, I need three orphans to come, Oliver. you know. Yeah, exactly, yep. right? So he comes to get some workers. And OGF overhears the captain ask about the children's histories. And the nun who runs the orphanage tells the captain that she, you know, two of them, you know, their parents died in a, you know, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire or something. And then OGF was dropped on their doorstep at only a few hours old. And she has no idea who he is or who his parents are. But the baby had a note pinned to his blanket that said, call him old grizzle face. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, but there, there, like, he had a note pinned to his chest that says, like, something, like, even more precious than a ruby. And a few years later, OGF becomes the sole survivor of the pirate attack that takes down Dream of Melissa, okay? Because he's a kid. And so the pirates kill everybody else, but they let the one little kid live. And they kidnap him and... But in like before all of this goes down, like in his final moments before being forced to walk the plank, the captain of the Dream of Melissa, like pull like hugs OGF and whispers, "Find the diary to him." And so then OGF grows up amongst the pirates, but he never forgets about the Melissa and the kind <laughs> captain and like and and you know and there's a clue in the diary. And so many years later. OGF finally like he's been looking and he's been and he finally finds the Melissa and so all of that then gets to stay the same you know he's like creeping on board right but he's not looking for a ruby he was looking for the diary which eventually reveals that OGF is the captain and what's her face's child girl so yeah so she didn't want a ruby like you know the captain was like i'm gonna go off and like i'm gonna take this mission and i'm gonna like sail my ship and i'm gonna bring you back a ruby but she didn't want a ruby she wanted her child but she couldn't marry the captain because her stupid parents so she gave the baby up for adoption like <laughs> slash orphanaging <laughs> I get up. I'm gonna <laughs> die. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the note, like when the captain goes, like he hears about the ruby and he knows that like that was left for him by his long lost lover who's died. And he's like, it's my baby. <laughs> so, so OGF then he gets he gets the ruby that they discovered, like not his like his sister. <laughs> Grant. You wrote this. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. But so he okay. gets the ruby and like and you know, he's the inheritor, right? And and so even though he's like a wealthy man, he's like cool and he like puts his money in his knapsack and then he still takes that first mate job with Captain Nor'easter because he loves that boat and he like gets to go back and sail on the boat that he sailed on as a child. And then we get to avoid all of that nonsense in like what 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 town is it? That, like, crops up for, like, two minutes for no reason. Uh, I'm looking. Hang on. It's not. It doesn't uh, matter. Mm, mm. Well, doesn't matter. I told you I threw my Kindle out the window, but. <laughs> yeah, there was, like, this whole little site. Provincetown, maybe? Provincetown, like, yes. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. There was, like, this whole little thing in Provincetown that didn't really matter other than to find an inheritor for the ruby, okay? Like, so I would have just rather we kept that in the family. 
you know, that it's like somebody we already care about. Old Grizzleface. Kelly. It's not a great improvement. I just. Can I? I, I, I want fewer non-important characters. Oh, always. That is a hallmark of our feedback yeah. on these books. This is, yeah. however, the most enthusiastic you have ever been about it. It would have been awesome if you were impassioned. You sold that. You were like Lifetime Movie Network. Pick this up. Thank you. Well, I mean, listen, I gave it everything I had. I gave it orphans. I gave it nuns. I gave it like a hidden pregnancy. I gave it all. Secret diary. A secret diary. Yes. I love you. Pirates. There were pirates involved. You're you're kind of. I can see it in my mind's eye. You're going to crush NaNoWriMo. Karen, I am so excited for NaNoWriMo. (sighs) Okay, so Karen, what have we gotten to add to Nancy's never-ending resume? Oh, I added one, two, three, four things to the resume. Number one. Um, so, like, what is the name for the job where you're, like, really good at measuring things? <laughs> I tried to say that, like, Alexis from Schitt's Creek. <laughs> uh-huh. So, okay, the reason I asked. Is that a job? <laughs> do you remember, this was early on in the book, but Nancy and Carson... A lawyer and a 18-year-old. Walk into a bar. Walk onto a clipper ship. <laughs> and they're like, oh, there's no blueprint for this boat. I guess we should make one. And uh-huh. the preceding narrative, the preceding, <laughs> oh boy, the following narrative is about how they're running all over this boat with tape measures, calling out measurements to yes. each other. And Carson and Nancy collectively make a blueprint of a massive also i googled clipper ship they're big okay are they <laughs> this is not a small boat this is a large large and they're just boat. like out there with their like 20 foot tape measure yes yeah so she does that i gave her fire chief in parentheses kind of okay explain so yourself the boat catches on fire <laughs> it does at that yes and Nancy springs to action. Mm-hmm. She's like, hoo-hoo, fireboat, come on over here. She's like, Captain, get to safety. She's like, I'm going to run downstairs to the galley. Friends, here's take your positions. Everybody, mm-hmm. here's how we'll prevent widespread fire on this boat that's made entirely of wood. And you know what? <laughs> they don't all die. So I give her fire chief. I, I Okay, I'll accept that. I Fire, fire chief assistant... Deputy to the fire chief. Yes. Okay. Fire chief assistant deputy to the fire chief. Yes. yes that's her title. <laughs> Put that on a Girl Scout badge. <laughs> I next gave her a puzzle master. Oh, because of the drawer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about right. the drawer? Say the drawer thing. <laughs> uh, well, you were talking about how she didn't want to, like, bust it up. It was in so, a desk, like the back of an old, yes. an old pirate's desk. So, so Nancy's like, I bet I can find this ruby that everybody's been looking for for fifty years or whatever, and she does in like 30, 30 seconds. And um, yeah, so she finds this drawer that she can tell has a hidden compartment in it because the drawer is shallower than the desk. Which good deducing. I loved that detail. Oh, and then Captain Westerly Winds or whatever his name is is like. 
This is a complicated puzzle that came from sailors from Asia. You'll never solve this mm-hmm. in a week of Mondays. Oh, a week of and Sundays. She, and she was like, mm-hmm. hold my purse. Want to bet? And she uh, is like, beep, beep, boop, and then opens it. Mm-hmm. Yep, she figures it out in like five minutes. Uh, yeah. Have we ever so, cracked a safe? Because I feel like she'd be a good safe cracker. You know, we have not cracked a safe. And I love this idea for her. Yeah. She should be cracking some safes. She will. I'm confident that mm-hmm. she will. I feel like Nancy could, if she weren't such a, like, pumps and hose kind of gal, like, she could be using her powers for evil. Really, really effective. Kelly, that is the perfect segue into my final statement about Nancy. Oh, amazing. Go on. She was, for the first time ever in this book, suddenly very concerned about the right attire for the right situation. She was. She, she was not all pumps and hose in this book. The ship is about to go down, and she has to swim to safety. And it's like Nancy and Bess ch- quickly changed into their swimsuits to swim to shore. That's true. I do remember that. Yeah. I like that they, that they changed into their swimsuits. And I was stunned because I'm like, someone's actually gonna die right now and they're like let's stand by i don't want to swim in my nice dress which we've never seen before like this homegirl jumped into quicksand in spike heels before so that in, was new in her defense she didn't like jump into the quicksand well, okay. she was drug unwillingly into the quicksand. the quicksand was a bad example but she's been in heels and a lot of she has and a lot of hiking boot situations <laughs> that's perfectly stated yes thank you and then yes they swim to shore. They do the thing. Someone gives them a robe. They go back to the boat. And then they quickly change back into street clothes so they can go talk to the police. And I was like, holy theatrical quick change, Batman. There there are a lot of costume changes now that you pointed out. You're right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like relying a lot on the kindness of strangers for providing their secondary outfit. Did you just quote Blanche Dubois from Streetcar Named Desire to me? I did. You're right. Did you have any open questions? Like, what's going to keep you up at night about this book? Like, what tonight when you go to sleep? I would love to tell you. Who is Melissa and why are we dreaming about her? <laughs> She's like, the figurehead of the boat, Kelly. Not enough. Know. Unacceptable answer. I thought that the captain's lover back in Cape Cod or wherever was going to be named Melissa, but nope. Oh, good. That's just. Good point. Yeah, no, I just want to know who Melissa is. Would you would you call that a loose thread? I would call it a loose end. Same diff. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about you? Open questions? I mean, it's not interesting, but I just am plagued by old grizzle face. I like how so? I can't stop thinking about him. Because In he, what way? he was like a criminal, but then they were like, nah, but you're chill. Like, he did some really nefarious stuff, sure. and then they just were like, we give you but a pass. But his intention was good. And then also, yeah. he's like an art model, and then also Bess is in love yeah. with him. <laughs> I'm like, starting rumors, think, but... I mean, you are, but I'm here for it. So, do you think old girls... Like, listen, we know George is maybe not the most fair assessor of physical characteristics so there is this part of me that is like is she calling him old grizzle face but actually he's like 40 and just like got some silver in his hair with 
an amazing like lumberjack beer. I was just gonna say he's a thirty-five-year-old lumber lumbersexual that owns a coffee shop in Oakland. Like that's <laughs> exactly what I'm picture picturing, and I think Bess is like spot homina, on. Homina, homina, homina. Yeah, yeah, I I do, I do. Yeah. So yeah, OGF. Can we rate this book already? Everyone is going to unsubscribe to this podcast. This I know, we are, right? I love you. Um, I love you too. Kelly, this week I've decided that we are rating The Secret of the Wooden Lady out mm-hmm. of a 12 possible tragic lizards. Because <laughs> rip to that lizard that went overboard, which was wrong, and yes. I hated it. It was the lizard side. <sighs> what, is your, uh-huh. what is your rating? Uh, 11 and a half out of 12 tragic lizards huge rating from kelly biscuping yeah. holy yeah, cow I'm coming in hot I'm okay same same i more. loved it from stem to stern karen <laughs> yeah um i i give it minus 0.5 because ned's the worst but we already all knew that so i didn't make it more otherwise perfect loved it ned like nope. ned hit like totally put himself back in our good graces in that he last had, book and he, he yet had. again snatched defeat from the jaws of victory i was actively looking for reasons to like ned honestly I like know. i was looking for reasons to like him and i got to page 80 and was like okay all right ned's doing okay he did a little undercover work he's doing a little thing and he's doing a little zigzag okay and now he's being a sexist jerk Minus 0.5 tragic lizards. Fair. How about you? I gave it 12 out of 12 tragic lizards. Oh! A perfect score. Oh, a perfect score. Can I explain my math to you, please? I Of course. I would demand it. I'm going to pull up the ESPN. I don't I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> Did they do like a chalkboard in sports? They, I, I mean, I don't think it's chalk anymore, but yes. A digital. I think it's digital. Thingy. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh. I don't know how sports work. Anyway, I removed 11 lizards because Ned was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and people need to wake the hell up because women are not servile. So period, amen. However, <laughs> then I gave all of the lizards back because we had ships. We had pirates. I love nautical mm-hmm. things. We had a plot that basically made sense and was so yes. fun. OGF was a babe the best loved it 12 out of 12 tragic lizards i will say no more (laughs) i i will not further defend my answer karen we're in 11.75 tragic lizards out of 12 i think that might be the highest rating we've ever given this is a milestone nancy mom it is i'm sorry i brought us down but you know what you can't blame me you have to blame ned oh that that is 100 Mm percent on ned i respect your opinion thank you you are I valid. You. So I almost hate to ask this as we move into the final moments of this podcast that I mm-hmm. can't believe anyone will still be listening to after our <laughs> hijinks. But what will we be reading next week? Okay, so Karen, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to actually give you a choice. <gasps> I know. Just you. This okay. is not up for vote. I actually okay? for everyone that's listening, I did not know this was gonna happen. <laughs> so Next, and and honestly, you can choose either and it will be okay, but I am going to give you a choice and you have to make it live on the air, as live as a pre-recorded podcast can be. Okay. Um, Next week, or not next week, next episode, we can either read The Clue of the Black Keys, which, spoiler alert, is a Nancy Drew book, or we can do a Nancy Drew movie screening. Your choice. 
Oh my gosh. I know we've never done a movie before. Well, we're still going to read The Clue of the Black Keys regardless. Right, because it would just be delayed by two weeks. Movie. I pick movie. You pick movie? Oh, I absolutely pick movie. Fantastic. Okay, well, so I vote that we watch the most recent Nancy Drew movie. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's, hang on. Oh, my gosh. Stand by. Um, it came out in... 2019, Nancy Drew, and The Hidden Staircase. I've seen it, and I loved it, and I watched it on a plane where I was horrified because I thought the plane was going to crash, so it's time that I watched oh. it again because I'd remember nothing. Go. Perfect. Are you in? I'm in. I can't wait. All right. This is So we are going to watch Nancy Drew and The Hidden Staircase 2019. Great. Done. Well, everyone, thank you for sticking with us please yes, thank you rate maybe don't rate and review this episode <laughs> yeah maybe don't rate and review but... if you want to subscribe that'd be great tell a friend you be can cool. also find us on instagram at it's a clue podcast where we post weird things <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can play one sentence plottings yes you can become a huge winner like lily and jake by providing your yes. one sentence plot summary for these very odd book covers exactly and Again, like we know it's asking a lot, particularly after this episode, but please consider becoming a Helen Corning friend on Patreon, which is just a bestie of the show. Uh, we will give you a shout out if you become a patron and you get to vote on upcoming slooper, <laughs> slooper sleuth titles, super sleuth title selections. And Kelly, do you remember what we learned today at Nancy Drew and the Secret of the Wooden Lady? I'm unaware of any lessons, but enlighten me, please. Oh, well, there were several. Yeah. I sounded like Moira Rose. Um, several. The one. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. Fold in the cheese. Um, the thing that you should take away from this is that you can apparently immediately knock someone out using an acupressure neck grab. And quite frankly, mm. that's something that I think we all should learn. I think that's excellent advice. I think we should learn that. Yeah. And with that, happy sleuthing! It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow.